Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, what's good everybody out there? Thanks for listening. This is Mega Brand and you are tuned into another high speed, high impact edition of Mega Rant's Matt Mania. It's a podcast about wrestling, professional wrestling, not amateur wrestling. Um, usually WWE related, but uh, we jump around occasionally. But uh, thank you for joining for this special episode. I have a really, really awesome guest, one of my oldest friends on the internet. And that sounds really weird to say, but um, this is Steve of Rap Reviews that I'm talking about. Now, anybody who's been on the internet and knows anything about hip-hop knows rap reviews. They know the online hip-hop lyrics archive, or maybe they know the Angry Marks podcast. Steve runs them all. And uh, honestly, I've been listening, not necessarily listening, because I didn't hear his voice until I visited uh, Omaha one time. But I've been reading his work for many, many years. So it was an honor to get on the phone with him and chat wrestling not just any wrestling but we talked hardcore wrestling now hardcore wrestling was a big thing back in the you know 90s and 2000s and uh thanks in part mostly in part to extreme championship wrestling now before we get into that i just want to tell a little bit about what i've been doing the last I don't know, few days um just came back from tour the tour with richie branson which did not actually have a name and i didn't realize that until i was halfway into it it didn't have a name, but the tour was super fun, man. I gotta say, this is one of my best tours yet. Uh, I think I'm getting better at this tour booking stuff. I know I was talking about not wanting to do it anymore, but uh, bad news is that everybody got sick except me, um, knocking on all the wood around me to hope that I didn't get some late bug. But uh, big shout out to Richie Branson, big shout out to LJ Beats who held down DJing and filming duties so we should have some documentary footage coming up on my youtube very soon he's also an amazing video director and my new song macro sky has a video and uh lj did that and um i'm gonna have links to that in the podcast description so make sure you check it out check out all of richie branson's amazing work he's doing with otaku gang um big man i can't even i don't even want to take too much time because i know i talked for a while with steve so i don't want to take too much time but the tour was amazing particularly the bay area man bay area came out in full force i mean it was sacramento san jose and san francisco really showed out uh big shout to afk out there elbow room we had a great show and sacramento was a place called soul collective uh with homeboy sandman we played those shows with and um, they were great, man. I Some of my better bass shows, and I've had some really good bass shows. Um, my wife also came out, and uh, she got a little um, crazy off the edibles. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but, but you know, why not? It makes for entertaining podcasting. I'll just deal with that when I get home. But um, she took some edibles and um, proceeded to go crazy like to the point where she was out of her mind a little bit they must have some psychedelics in them and uh she 
was worried that she was embarrassing me but in actuality i think her worry you know was much worse than what it actually was and i think the worry is what turned it into an embarrassing situation because no one would have noticed i mean it's san francisco if you ever walk around in downtown san francisco you can't tell who's on drugs and who's not but anyway um it was fun action-packed uh thrill thrill a minute man i went to a wwe event so big shout out to austin creed aka xavier woods for hooking us up um i got a chance to meet aj styles the phenomenal aj styles and we went to a great event in san jose i also went to 2k and i uh, got myself in a little trouble when the um guys from 2k games encouraged me to cut a promo on xavier woods holding the world title the 2k title and uh that led to some nonsense but um i'll play those for you and then uh we're gonna get into the actual meat of the podcast okay so here's my pro- so xavier woods i heard you're the champ well how could that be when i have the belt <laughs> you know yeah. possession is nine tenths of the law. you may be the new day but this is the new night <laughs> <laughs> the champ is here so good fun right like simple 15 second thing that i just completely came up with on my own big shout out to richie for the new night thing that was awesome so as we're walking through doing our tour of 2k not even 15 minutes later i get a little text bing and it is this epic promo bomb by xavier woods <laughs> first things first a belt is something that a civilian uses to hold their pants up i'm fairly sure that the two of you are wearing one right now second this is a championship title. And I won this championship title in tournament play. I won this championship title in tournament play. So if for some strange reason you actually believe that you could even almost be a pretender to my throne, you need to rethink your entire life. And second, if you end up walking around in public with that around your shoulder, just like you were the real champion, then Ran, I might have to go a little extreme and put you down with your own weapon. Woods out. See, absolutely unfair. Uh, first of all, I did a 15 second thing to fit Instagram, Twitter, and those other sites. He did a one minute promo that would not have fit on any of those social sites automatically should have been disqualified and he pulled out the mega buster you couldn't see that that's what he's referring to unfair unfair anyway uh we're gonna have to settle this one and hopefully a future episode of up up down down and if that happens that'll be awesome anyway let's get on with the episode let's talk hardcore title it's 1998 all over again anyway big shout out to my man steve Big shout out to Rap Reviews. Big shout out to you for checking us out. It's Matt Mania. Make sure you are four star, five star, 18 star in it. Thumbs up in it. Commenting and telling friends. Here we go. Matt Mania. Hardcore title. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Mega Rand with another action-packed episode of Matt Mania. This one's going to be different than most, and it's going to hopefully start a new trend. Because um, as a history buff and with uh, the advent of great products like the WWE Network, which is only $9.99. Um, I've been able to go back 
on some cool and interesting eras of wrestling. Some of them that are, you know, long gone. And uh, one of those that was on my mind this week is the hardcore title. So I have a special guest, Mr. Stevie J of the Angry Marks podcast. Steve, are you there? Yes, I am, Rand, and thanks for having me. We're going to get hardcore on Matt Mania. Hardcore. I think we should always say hardcore that way for the entire um, podcast. It's kind of like when Paul Heyman comes out, you have to say, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So you did mention Brock. So I want to give um, you an opportunity to talk about yourself a little bit. Just the beginnings, you know, where you come from, who you are, what you do, and what's your history with wrestling. Well, I go right, back. Go. I go back way, way back before Brock Lesnar. I go back to the 1980s when it was Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, the Million Dollar Man, Jake the Snake, Roberts, Superfly, Jimmy Snuka, all the great WWF wrestlers of the 1980s, and of course the American Wrestling Association, which my grandfather was a very big fan of too. So my mom always says I got it from him. You know, he loved Vern Gagne and Paul Orndorff and all those guys, and he had a satellite dish just so he could watch wrestling. So I, I was pretty much born into it. But as for me personally, outside of professional wrestling, I also run a little website called rapreviews.com. Some of you may know my interviews with Megaran from that website, some videos, some audios, some cool stuff we've done over the years. Rand and I have known each other for, I'd say, at least a decade now, right? At least a decade, dude. I mean, I feel like I've known you longer than that. I've been reading rap reviews from the beginning before I was even, you know, releasing records. So, uh, yeah, man, it's at least been a decade because I've been putting out music for a decade and you've been reviewing it for that long. So, wow, that's that's crazy. You might be my oldest Internet friend, which is <laughs> that's insane. That's cool, though. But I, I can't take all the credit because it's not like I'm the only person at RapReviews.com. we got a whole talented staff. Many of them have reviewed your albums over the years as well. So I, I don't like to toot my own horn and say it's just me. Like like my wrestling site, too, Angry Marks. I couldn't do anything there if I didn't have a whole crew of people who contribute and help. They make it what it is. That's awesome, man. And, you know, everybody's – every business or every – product or every project is only as good as the crew helping to put it together so glad you got a good crew um i always have a hard time finding good help but you know once once i once i do i keep them and i hold on to them absolutely and make sure to uh to praise them whenever you can just like k murdoch anytime you two do a project together i know it's special and that's why you're always with him and down to ride with him Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're working on some new stuff too, and we'll we'll chat about that on a different podcast. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> but today it's about hardcore. All right. So now, uh, really quickly, I want to get your opinion on. So you've been in the business or around, you know, the business, and a big fan of it for about as long as me. Since the '80s, I've dipped in and out. You know, uh, got back in in the '90s. Dipped out a little bit early 2000s and have kind of been back in for at least the last maybe three, four years, like really hardcore. So what's your opinion briefly on, I guess, the differences? Because we're talking about the hardcore era. So um, now with the PG era going on, like, what do you see are the big differences right now and um, some positives and maybe some not so positives? 
well, the hardcore era, if we want to call it that, from the 1990s, was a response to WWF in the late 80s and early 90s, becoming very cartoonish, very unbelievable, very very character-driven, but not characters as in people with larger-than-life personalities. I'm talking about characters like Doink the Clown and Bastion Booger, things that the audience couldn't relate to. So when Eastern Championship Wrestling slowly morphed into Extreme Championship Wrestling, their attitude was, we're not like those other guys, we're real, these are real fights, you're going to watch something real if you watch our product. And they became a cult phenomenon. Just like when you get a great underground rapper who has a great record and suddenly everybody else tries to sound like that record and tries to duplicate that sound because it became the hot thing, you had WCW and WWF imitating ECW because they were the cult product, they were the thing everybody was talking about, and eventually that led to WWF having its own hardcore title with hardcore rules and stipulations that changed over years and over time, but in reality, that was actually a very short period of time. It was only four years that the hardcore title was in existence and defended before it was eventually merged with two different titles. First, the Intercontinental title, or was it first the United States title? Well, it got merged. I'll, I'll go back and double-check the history. Yeah, it's really crazy that it was only, there were only a few years that, you know, as far as we know or we thought that, um, you know, it seems like a really big era in wrestling. But, yeah, it was a pretty short-lived thing. I mean, the Hardcore Championship started in 2000, or 1998, and uh, after big, you know, rises of the ECW promotions, Hardcore brand of wrestling becoming more popular. And there's some really, really cool stuff. And so we're going to dig throughout the history of the Hardcore title, and we're going to give you a, first a few tidbits, and then we're going to have a mock tournament of the best hardcore champions of all time. So first, we're going to start with some notables. The first champion was Mankind, and in 1998, this belt was awarded to him by Mr. McMahon. Do you remember this story? Yes, they basically were doing an angle where Vince McMahon was incapacitated and needed some, I guess you could call him muscle, but more like uh, some, somebody who could run interference for him if he ever got in trouble because he was getting around on a wheelchair. And McMahon and Foley had never really seen eye-to-eye, but McMahon could manipulate him, and he was going by Mankind for a long period of that time. So when we say Foley, we're actually talking about Mankind. As as we all know, Foley had three different faces. He was Mankind, Mick Foley, and Cactus Jack. Oh Well, and Dude Love. So I guess technically three different characters under one name, Mick Foley. But I, I digress. The point was... McMahon presented him with this hardcore title and said that he had lost a son in Shane McMahon betraying him, but that he had gained a son in McFoley. He was emotionally manipulating him to do his bidding. And there was a great moment from that scene where McFoley's walking away with the hardcore title. He's just been presented, and Vince McMahon is rolling away on his wheelchair, and Mick says, Thanks, Dad. And McMahon gives him this look like, No, you didn't. 
this was this was done really well at the time to create you know some sympathy for mankind. Uh, not too much earlier as Dude Love, there were just these huge feuds between him and Austin. So Dude Love was like McMahon's crony, if you will, who would um, just attack on on behalf of McMahon. And uh, and this really created the the huge face turns of probably one of the biggest good guys of all time, you know, as as mankind. And uh, this was this the stepping stone, I think. And it was McMahon giving him that title, uh, him fighting. I don't. He didn't even keep it very long, but it was. It led to some some cool matches. But then right after that, it was there was literally the springboard that kind of sent him up into the into the main main event picture. Yeah, the most memorable and, uh, match was, was a cool time. Was when he wrestled Ken Shamrock in a tuxedo on Raw. Came out with the wingtip shoes and the suit and his hair slicked back, and they were like, "Oh my God, it's corporate mankind." <laughs> yes, this was the time when you know going corporate became the thing, and uh, yeah, that was the corporate mankind. I remember the slicked back hair. Jeez, <laughs> wow! And what's oh, even funnier man. about that is he had Big Boss Man running interference for him. He couldn't defend the hardcore tile by himself. He got some of Vincent's flunkies to help him. Right, right. <laughs> oh man, other notable moments a little bit forward in time. A um, a gentleman by the name of Crash Holly, whose um, contributions to the WWF exceed his uh, his stature, but um, he instituted the twenty four seven rule. You remember this, right? Oh yeah, he basically cut a promo and said, I'm the greatest hardcore champion there's ever been, there ever will be, and I can prove it to you because I'll put this belt on the line, anybody, anywhere, anytime, you want a shot at me 24-7, you can come in and try to take a shot, you got a referee, come and try to pin me and take it. <laughs> now this this created a lot of excitement, and um, it's now it's made for the shortest title reigns and quickest title changes in WWE history. Oftentimes, even at house shows, the belt would change hands during matches. It would change hands several times during a programming hour, even. Uh, Changed like eight or ten times at two different WrestleManias. Oh, man, who could forget the the giant hardcore battle royal where, yeah, there was like ten times in that. Uh, Maven, or not Maven, Raven, which rhymes with Maven. Well, they uh, actually both held it quite a bit, both Maven and Raven. Sorry, go ahead. That's true, they have. Uh, but thanks to this rule, Raven is a 27-time hardcore champion. And I didn't even realize that until I started reading up on this. I'm like, whoa, I know he won it a lot, but 27 times. Yeah, and Crash Holly's pretty close behind him with 22. That's why they called him the Houdini of Hardcore, a name given to him by Jim Ross. Yes, I love that. He would just pop in and win a, win a match and run off with the belt. Like, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> just the visuals of him running away were half the fun of it. Like, when he'd get into that ball pit, when, when they chased him down to the Funplex in Brooklyn, and, and he got out of the ball pit and ran away with the title as, as all three members of the Mean Street Posse stand there looking dumbfounded, he got away. <laughs> this was some great TV, man. I thought the hardcore title made for some amazing TV. I mean, well, let's talk about matches, though. Are any, any matches stand out for you, like, as amazing hardcore title matches? I think that, that once some um, some really solid mid-carders 
got into the mix, you know, the RPDs, the the Hardys, things like that. I thought that we got some really interesting matches, but do any stand out for you? I'm going to throw one at you that I think has actually been forgotten by a lot of the fans. Al Snow and Hardcore Holly at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Road Dog had been the previous Hardcore Champion, but vacated the title due to an injury. So this mm-hmm. match was to crown a Hardcore Champion, and they brawled all the way from inside the building in Memphis all the way out to the Mississippi River. They were fighting in the river. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Wow, that's going to be my uh, my must-watch match of this episode. I think you guys should check that out. I was just watching that pay-per-view, actually. It was a really entertaining one. The uh, Okay, so Al Snow versus Hardcore Holly in the finals of the Hardcore Championship tournament. Wow. I do remember this. Oh, man, fighting in the river. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. And, and, of course, there were items planted all around the river purposely for them. Like, you wouldn't find a stop sign in a wheelbarrow and a chain link fence just laying around, but miraculously, they all happen to be there. I don't know. If you were in Philly, they'd be by the river, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You might find even worse things by the river in Philly. Right, like dropping a 210-pound load in the river, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that kind of thing. Oh, man. Uh, so there have been four women who have held the hardcore title. <laughs> Molly Holly, Trish Stratus, Terry Runnels, and one of the Godfather's hoes. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of the Godfather, we, we announced last episode that uh, a leaked list came through and that Charles Wright will be one of the Hall of Fame inductees this year. Charles Wright, a.k.a. the Godfather, a.k.a. Kama Mustafa and uh, Papa Shango and others. Uh, do you, real quick, since I was mention this word do you think that there will be any mention of the hos during this ceremony i think it would be almost impossible not to because you just referenced the fact that charles wright had several different gimmicks in wwf but his most popular gimmick the one that people remember him for is the whole train If (laughs) if he can't come out there and say that to pop the crowd then why even have him take the induction yeah, that's going to that be interesting. The train! I mean, yeah. It is oh. WWE Network. You know, they don't have to censor it. It's, it's already going to paid subscriber. Nah, that's a good point. You know, I think, I don't know. I remember, I just think back to those, that conversation Triple H had about China and how, you know, her things, extracurricular stuff was kind of keeping her away from the business and um, and from the Hall of Fame. And this is a guy who runs an adult club in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And it on has television. some real life hoes, not just some TV hoes. Yeah, yeah, this, was, this wasn't just a gimmick. Like, this guy kind of lived it, still does. Um, the, uh, the club he owns out there, I forget the name of it, but they list on the website that if you come Friday or Saturdays, you will see the Godfather there. And, um... So, I don't know. Do you think that's a little bit of a double standard? What do you think, sir? I suppose you could argue it's a double standard, but I also think the difference here is that The Godfather is not starring in adult videos <laughs> and marketing them to people. China and Sonny, that's a whole different kettle of fish. That's why they don't want to induct China, and they're kind of mad at Sonny right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. 
Uh, but this will be interesting, man. I was actually a fan of The Godfather, I gotta say. Um, oh, yeah, and he could pop the crowd like nobody's business. He, he got one of the biggest reactions every time he came out. Absolutely. He was so over. And um, I thought he was a decent wrestler, too. I mean, I, I enjoyed him in the ring. Very underrated. And, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Former Intercontinental Champion. And um, the 24-7 rule led to the uh, inspiration from a lot of people's perspectives, and mine too, I think it kind of sounds similar, is um, the money in the bank concept. Uh, do you think that those are related somehow? I think you can find a spiritual connection between the idea of the money in the bank being something that's anytime, anywhere can be cashed in and used. It definitely reflects the anytime, anywhere rule of the hardcore title that Crash Holly brought in. But... There's also the fact that Crash Holly occasionally had that rule suspended for certain situations by the Commissioner McFoley or by various authority figures who were uh, looking to have a match take place on pay-per-view. So even 24-7 wasn't always 24-7, and Money in the Bank ain't always Money in the Bank either, because, for example, you can't cash in on a wrestler who's incapacitated or not medically cleared. When you cash in that Money in the Bank, they got to be able to get up and fight back. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. All right. It seems like these rules, you know, they're kind of made to be broken, bended, or twisted. So. <laughs> well, it is professional wrestling. It's a rule until it isn't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, I love the short memory aspect of of wrestling. It's like, I've never seen this before, like, <laughs> except last year. Oh, that's yeah. one of the reasons we miss good old JR, because JR would never say that. He would actually tell you he remembered when it happened 15 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, as a, as a history buff myself, you know, I really enjoy the historical, you know, the references to the older things. So I did love that about seeing JR out there. Uh, okay, so I got a couple memorable moments, and I want you to maybe add on if you got a few. Um, I gotta always remember, and I, I'll never forget the image of Shane McMahon falling off of the Titantron versus Steve Blackman. Now, do you remember this match, don't you? Yeah, SummerSlam 2000, and uh, Shane McMahon had two or three really famous matches. There's another one where Kurt Angle threw him through a glass window that everybody remembers. But oh, yeah, this that one, was brutal. This one would be right up there at the top, and literally at the top, because Shane McMahon was so desperate to get away from a pissed-off Steve Blackman that he started climbing the scaffold trying to get away, and Blackman caught up to him, started whooping his ass, and he fell off backwards into a crash pit. But, of course, we didn't weren't supposed to know it was a crash pit, but, you know, that's the only way he could fall. And, of course, they're exaggerating on commentary. They're saying, he's up in the air 50, 100 feet. He's probably only up there <laughs> 15, 20 feet, but still, the visual of him flying backwards off the scaffolding is unforgettable. Absolutely. Oh, man, Shane took some sick bumps to the company, man. I, that, I, I, I appreciate that. I feel like Shane should be a Hall of Famer at some point. <laughs> Big Show and Raven, WrestleMania 17, uh, the golf cart situation. Do you remember this one? <laughs> Well, this to me is both the good side and the bad side of hardcore because it was a fun match, but it also became a cartoon. The visuals of them running into each other with the golf cart, crashing through walls, throwing themselves through windows, it it became a spectacle and not a match. It 
and you could tell that they were trying really hard to make it look like a real fight. But unfortunately for me, watching mixed martial arts over the years, having seen enough real fights, it starts to become obvious when people are just pretending to hit each other with things. <laughs> yeah, it got a, got a little crazy. Um, like choking somebody out with a garden hose, for example. That ain't going to work. When you've seen a real rear naked choke, you know that a garden hose ain't going to choke somebody out. Not unless you got like some ridiculous technique and superhuman strength. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who didn't see, this is a hardcore title match um, with Raven, Kane, Big Show. Raven plans a spot where he would hop in the golf cart to try to escape. Big Show would hop on the back at the last minute and start choking him. Raven was supposed to take off with Big Show in one golf cart, and Kane was supposed to grab the referee and take off after them in a second golf cart. Chase was planning to go the length of the entire Astrodome's concourse. Uh, according to some uh, some interviews that I found. However, only mere seconds into the chase, Draven, Raven drives the golf cart into a fence, and the wheel gets stuck <laughs> in a hole between the fence and the floor. Not wanting to blow the spot, Raven then tries tugging the golf cart back to continue the chase and almost gets run over by Kane, who's driving right behind them. Would have been a pretty memorable comedy piece, but um, yeah, it didn't quite work out. Um, but that notwithstanding, WrestleMania 17 is probably one of my favorite WrestleManias. Though. It was a very good show. And uh, for me, part of the thing that stands out about that WrestleMania is Paul Heyman on commentary going back and forth in a very adversarial relationship with Jim Ross. And the two of them mm. getting in fights with each other on commentary was maybe planned, maybe not planned, but it, it added extra drama to the pay-per-view as a whole. Oh, absolutely. All right. So, any memories, memories, real quick, moments of hardcore title matches? Any you got in the old memory bank? Well, since we're talking about Big Show, I'm going to bring up from the same year as WrestleMania X7, No Way Out 2001. Mm. That was a crazy match. Big Show, in this era, for those who haven't seen it and gone back and watched it on the network, this is a very young, skinny Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, a.k.a. The Giant. This is when he looked more like Undertaker than the 7-foot, 400-pound, whatever they bill him at today. He was he was a trim Big Show and very athletic at this point, too. He could move gracefully, but this match didn't require much grace because Raven just nailed him over the head over and over again with a stop sign, so there ain't nothing graceful about that. <laughs> oh man yeah it's so funny watching the older you know big show stuff when he was like skinny young you know and uh, almost looks like a different guy uh, uh it's pretty i guess it's cool to see the see the growth and the changes that people's bodies go through but it's and if you like female ninjas this is the match for you because there was a, a hooded cat masked up vigilante female ninja trying to win the hardcore title who got blasted with a trash can lit by Molly Holly. I remember that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, all right. We're going to talk about the top 10 hardcore champs. We're going to break them down and then we're going to throw them into a tournament and then we're going to pick the winner. But first we're going to take a little break. I'm Megan Rand. This is Matt Mania with special guest Stevie J. I'll be back in a moment. See ya. 
Hey party people, it's Kate Murdoch here, and I want to talk to you about something real fresh, real new that myself and Megaran are doing now, and it involves you, the fans. Myself and Megaran just launched a Patreon, a monthly way for you all to subscribe to us and what we do for as little as one buck a month. You'll get free exclusive downloads, a guaranteed song a month, and if you pledge at the $10 level, you get a free project a month, whether it be something we do together, whether it's something solo, a side project that I engineer or produce is guaranteed exclusive for you Patreon supporters. So, if you really like what we do, then this is the time to get down and join us. We are trying to bring back that Nintendo Fun Club vibe because this is essentially a fan club for the real fans. So, check it out. Patreon.com slash bits and rhymes. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash bits and rhymes. And now back to your regularly scheduled program thank you yo what's going on everybody this is mega ran and i am in the place to be on matt mania talking hardcore wrestling with my man stevie J from the angry marks podcast and rap reviews here we are we talked about moments we talked about history let's get into the top 10 hardcore champs now i got a few picks you can tell me if you agree or disagree but i'm going to tell you why all right First, Mankind. And then just historically, I think Mankind, because of him being the first champ, and I think you think about hardcore when you think about McFoley. Um, he didn't... hardcore before the term hardcore existed. <laughs> exactly. And after the term existed. So, so I feel like Mick um, belongs in this conversation strictly because of you know, his history, not necessarily because of his, uh, his time with the title, but, um, but yeah, I think him being the first champion is, uh, symbolic and, um, never went after it after losing it that first time, but he had bigger fish to fry. He was, he was winning the, the world title on raw. So anyway, uh, that's one of my picks. What do you think about mankind? I have to 1000% agree because he literally put his body on the line for professional wrestling. And Mick has said this in his books and interviews, and he will deny that he's a handsome gentleman. And I actually would argue that he's pretty ruggedly handsome. But back in his day, he thought, well, I'm not that great looking, but I can take good bumps. So if I take a good bump and the crowd reacts to it, then I've done my job. So... He, he practiced from a young age, from jumping off his roof to uh, jumping off the tops of cages and crashing through The Undertaker. That was kind of his M.O., and he was not afraid to give it up. He got hundreds of stitches, lost two-thirds of his ear, had so many burns on his body that I can't even count them all. The man sacrificed himself, and I when I met him last year, I told him that. I'm like, Mick, you didn't have to do all those things, and he just smiled at me and said, well, I did get paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they got to remember. I mean, he, he he sacrificed so much for the business, definitely. But, you know, he wasn't doing charity work, you know. like <laughs> He got handsomely rewarded for taking those sick bumps. But, yeah, I'll go back and watch some of those matches. Man, that match with Triple H, I think, in No Way Out. And um, some of the sick bumps he's taking, it's like, man, Mick, you could have. You could have put your hands up on that chair shot. Like, you totally could have done that. But no, you know, I'm glad he just you takes brought, it. Uh, you, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in too early there. But you brought up a point that I did want to make while we were talking about hardcore. And it's that we know different things about concussions now. Not that we didn't always know that concussions were bad. 
but the more this has been studied in the NFL and combat sports, it's becoming pretty clear that there are devastating long-term consequences to being hit in the head repeatedly. And while some of those shots were gimmicked, a lot of those shots weren't. And that's the thing that I... We talked about the comedy value of hardcore, but the sad aspect of hardcore is that some of these guys probably shortened their lives or ended their careers by taking too many shots to the head, to various parts of their body with weapons that they didn't need to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we're, we're thankful for them, but yeah, it's, it's, they took an extreme, extreme, you know, toll on a lot of these guys. Right. And that's why um, I, I guess in hindsight, I'm glad the hardcore era was only 98 to 2002 because I think the business started to change in the 2000s, and I think it needed to change. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so my next pick for top 10 hardcore champs, Rhino. Rhino and ECW legend uh, had three reigns, had a really good match at Backlash 2001 with Raven, and I think just always has been synonymous with the extreme style. I mean, you just imagine him goring people through tables. Like, it's it's just it's become a thing, like, because of, you know, Rhino's innovation. Uh, what do you think about Rhino? I think the things that he had going for him, besides what you already alluded to, was that he came from extreme championship wrestling, and he had that reputation that guys who came out of that promotion had for being really tough and really physical. He also had a, a stature that made him imposing. He wasn't the tallest guy but he was broad and thick, and when it looked like he was going to put somebody through a table with a gore, he, he wasn't just, you know, I'm going to take this and you're going to fall through it and we're going to make it look like it's cool. No, you felt like he was physically imposing his will on the person and driving them straight through it. Absolutely. Uh, I was a big fan of Rhino. I always like the bigger guys, you know, they're a little more stocky. That's why I'm a big Kevin Owens fan and... Other guys, Mick Foley as well, you know, as a big guy. I always like to see some big guys getting down in there. And um, and Rhino didn't have the height, but, man, he just had the, that intensity. And that was really all you needed. Yeah, and he got that straight out of Detroit thing going for him, too. Like, you don't mess <laughs> with a guy from Detroit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I wonder if there's, like, an accountant in Detroit who's like, yeah, I'm from Detroit. <laughs> you know what? There me. probably is. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> All right, so uh, so we agree on Rhino as a pick. Does Rhino make it? All right, uh, this one is a weird one, and um, but I think if you follow it, follow me on this one. My next guy is the Undertaker. Undertaker, I feel like brought the Hardcore Championship some legitimacy. This guy was just going out and just demolishing people during the uh, invasion angle. He would. Not just win the title, but he would like choke guys out. He would just absolutely squash them, and um, and I thought that was that was fun to watch. I guess it was kind of bringing the bringing back a little bit of a um, not necessarily a UFC kind of thing, but but Taker came back, started doing some of those some of those submission moves, and that was that was cool to watch. So I thought you know, and this was underrated, but I had to re- go back and find it and uh, watch some of his hardcore matches. And I was like, well, these actually were pretty entertaining. And um, it, it kind of made the hardcore title like some must-see TV. Uh, what are your thoughts on Taker as a hardcore champ? 
I think this uh, is probably part of the reason that I'm more nostalgic for Biker Taker than some of my friends are because <laughs> I do remember this era of Undertaker where he was less gimmicked up and had more of a badass personality and would just go out there and get in these really rugged and violent matches with people. Like the match that he had with Jeff Hardy on Raw, the ladder match. That, to me, still stands out as one of the greatest matches that Taker or Hardy ever had. They both bled and sweat and just destroyed themselves just getting over that match. And when Undertaker won the match but still saluted Jeff Hardy afterward by raising his hand, that was like him passing the torch saying, Hey, kid, you got this. That's awesome. All right, so you agree with Taker? Definitely. He, he may not be thought of as a hardcore champion, but he definitely, he he made the hardcore title his own during the time he was competing for it. Absolutely. And you're right, you know, a lot of my friends, myself included, don't think too fondly about the uh, the ABA era of um, Undertaker and, and the biker stuff. But I got to say, though, this was the best part of that of that era for him. I mean... It was it was a great move. I never saw it coming, and um, and I loved the way these matches went. I thought it was awesome. You know, I felt like what other what other veteran you know would have done some some of the crazy stuff he did at that time. Right. I don't know. So here's uh, my dark horse, probably for top ten hardcore champs, Shane O'Mac. Now Shane McMahon uh, took the sick bumps that we talked about. The SummerSlam 2000 match is super memorable for memorable for that. Um, him and X-Pac had some great feuds. I think that was mainly for the European title. But uh, I think Shane O'Mac, because because of his contributions to the business side, I think he was amazing on the mic um, and just wasn't afraid to take a crazy bump. I mean, he, he would always cheat or have like the Mean Street Posse or something like that around him. <laughs> Oh, who can forget Pete Gas and those guys? But um, Joey Abs. But <laughs> wow, oh, they took me back. But um, but Shane's a pick where I'm I'm like fifty fifty on. You know, I feel like I don't have a lot of super memorable moments of Shane getting over in in the hardcore division. But um, I felt like his matches were always entertaining. What do you think about Shane? I think Shane is probably valid because we remember him for spots that he did more so than matches that he had, but the spots that he would do were so memorable that they loom larger than life even today. Like, I can still visually picture Shane McMahon putting a trash can on an opponent's head and doing a coast-to-coast dropkick from one side of the ring to the other. He, <laughs> he didn't have to do that. He's the son of the boss. He's got millions in the bank, but he'd still go out there and try these insane things, and he pulled them off more often than not. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So, your take on Shane O'Mac. Is he in? I'd say yes. All right. Okay. Well, we'll get to the end, and then we'll maybe have to do some elimination. <laughs> yeah, we're got... getting a lot of people in here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I got I got 10, but we got to go to 8 for the tournament. So, 2, got to go. All right. Next is Jeff Hardy. Uh, you mentioned Hardy's matches with Undertaker being amazing. Roll out of prestige. Of course, had some, you know, the crazy offense and things that you remember from the Hardy Boys matches. Brought that to the division. Uh, arguably had the best hardcore title match ever versus RVD, SummerSlam 2001. Um, one of my favorites, just because you wouldn't expect him to, to get down. But, you know, the blood, sweat and tears he gave to it. 
always made those matches super entertaining. Uh, what's your take on Jeff Hardy? Hardcore Jeff Hardy. I suppose if, if we're going to get down to comparing them to the other people on this list, I'd have to rank Jeff higher than Shane McMahon because Shane would just do spots, but Jeff would do entire matches. Jeff had a psychology to when he would do things. He would wear people down before he would go up and jump off the ladder and crash them through a table. It, there was a, a structure, and that's what you want in a professional wrestling match. You want it to have a build, you want it to make sense, and you want it to have a dramatic conclusion. And Jeff would give you all of those things, whereas Shane O'Mac, much as I love him, he'd just give you some big memorable spot, but maybe not the whole psychology altogether. Hmm. All right, okay. So Jeff would be ranked higher than Shane, and I agree with that. All right, big boss man. Second hardcore champ ever. Had the longest title reign ever, 97 days. And uh, I still remember his match at fully loaded 99 versus Al Snow being an entertaining one. Now, I got to be honest, I wasn't a, you know, bad guy, big boss man fan. But, you know, he was he was tough, man. He made it look real. And, I mean, when he would smack you with the, uh, the knife stick, dude, I... I'd feel it, you know. He he had a he had a way to really make it look good, and um and he would brutalize guys. I remember him choking out Al Snow or people like that. And you're thinking like this guy's killing him, you know. And um, I don't know. So for that aspect, I would I'd consider Boss Man, but again, not not the biggest fan of of the in ring stuff. But I thought as far as hardcore goes, he kind of he kind of embodied it, you know, because he was really snug in there. What do you think? I gotta say a few things about him. First of all, uh, he died way too young. 41 years old. Rest in peace. The man should have been with us much longer than that. That's that's too young to be taken in any line of work, let alone professional wrestling. And he's still missed to this day because he was a very colorful, unique personality. And I give him credit for reinventing himself multiple times over the years because this is a guy who'd gone all the way back to the 80s and feuding with the top stars of WWF back then and worked his way from WCW to independence to getting back into the WWF spotlight again in the late nineties. So yeah, truly a master of reinvention. But I also have to say he goes down in history for having one of the all time worst professional wrestling matches ever. Not, not his fault really, but this is a WrestleCrap Hall of Famer, so shout out to R.D. Reynolds and Blake Braxton on that tip because the <laughs> kennel from hell. Oh no! Yeah, and, and no. the supposedly vicious dogs in the kennel that were timid and didn't want anything to do with this stupid match and were just busy <laughs> pooping themselves in the corner trying to get away from El- it. It was it was bad, man. It was real bad. Probably the worst gimmick match ever. Yeah. <laughs> top top five at least. It ranks yeah. right up there with like the triple cage from WCW. Oh man. <laughs> wow, the kennel from hell. I think that's something I kinda blocked from my memory there. Wow. Well, thanks to the network, you can go back and watch it. It's Unforgiven nineteen ninety nine. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, you guys should maybe check that one out if you if you and, and the whole feud it just is a really bad feud in general. This is again, people are nostalgic for the attitude era, but there are some things that aren't worth being nostalgic about. And the fact that this feud was centered over the fact that allegedly the big boss man took his dog, chopped it up and made chili. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know if we want to be nostalgic about that. No, no, we don't, we don't need to 
You know, it wasn't all gold. And I, I'll be the first to admit, the Attitude Era wasn't all gold. There was some stuff. Oh, man. And that, that was probably one of the worst. Oh, man. They, they were trying so hard to, to get ratings, to win the war with WCW, and to be the most infamous product on television that sometimes they just they didn't necessarily filter out the bad ideas because they thought if people are talking about it, it's good. That's not always the yeah. case. Not always. No, no, no. All right. So, Big Boss Man, rest in peace. But uh, what are your thoughts on the current list we got here? Does Boss Man belong? I want to say yes because he had the longest title reign, but he didn't have the best matches. He had one of the worst matches. Mm. <laughs> and, and as much as I respect him individually, if I'm making a list of all-time greatest hardcore champions, probably not. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. All right, next, we're going to Mr. Monday Night, the whole damn show, RVD. Uh, Rob Van Dam's four-time champ, I feel, has some of the best matches in the division. Still has the weakest punches I've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would always get you're like, what is he doing here? This, these punches are just like pillow punches. But um, uh, and he was the last champ. Uh, we'll talk about the ending of how how hardcore and WWE ended uh, later on. But um, I thought RVD's matches were awesome. Um, he really I felt cherished the title and had some had some cool cool matches and cool spots. What are your thoughts on RVD? No, you weren't making a put on the fact that he had a hardcore versus ECW World Title match with Mike Awesome, were you? Because that was one of the most awesome matches ever. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was that was a great one. But he, <sighs> he for a lot of people, will personify hardcore more than any other wrestlers just because they like the high-flying moves that Rob Van Dam would do and the fact that he brought that era with him from ECW into WWF. He he was synonymous with that style in ECW of going over the top literally and physically with your body. And they expected that out of him in WWF, and he never let up. He gave everything that he had in ECW to WWF audiences. Yep. Absolutely. So, does RVD stay? RVD would be up near the top of the list, actually, because... The matches that he had, the the height he could get on a five star frog splash. Let, let's forget about the weak ass punches. We can overlook that because <laughs> yeah, we can overlook that. You just wanted to see Rob Van Dam do his spots when when he was in a match. You were just on the edge of your seat, waiting for that frog splash, waiting for the Van Terminator. You you just yeah. wanted him to do those spots. They were so fun. Oh, absolutely, he was super fun. Speaking of fun, the epitome of fun in the hardcore division. The one and only Crash Holly. Now, I have him on my list because I thought he brought that comedy aspect, made it very entertaining. I mean, just picturing him running off with a title at any time is, is brought a smile to my face. And um, and bringing a scale he, with him to the ring, too, because he weighed in at allegedly over 400 pounds. <laughs> yes, he would call himself a super heavyweight. I love that. <laughs> oh, man, the scale. That reminds me of the game. I think it was WrestleMania 2000. They would have Crash Holly come out in the game holding the scale, and I thought that was so cool. Um, he inst- instituted the twenty four seven rule. I feel like he might be more of a you know a legacy guy who, because of his contributions outside of match quality, 
you know, could belong just as a pioneer. But um, I love the WrestleMania 2000 moment, just smacking, who did he smack with the candy jar? Was that Hardcore Holly? Uh, gosh, I don't even remember now. But um, there was the huge battle royal and shattering and getting the last word in that, in that melee of a match with uh, by getting the pin. I, I thought that was awesome. Um, Crash Holly, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Crash Holly... Definitely another one that was taken from us way too young, much younger than Bossman, actually, only 32 years old. And yeah. I, yeah, he, he was such an entertainer that he actually, for a brief period of time, without even wrestling in total nonstop action, was having the best segments on TV week in and week out <laughs> on pay-per-view. Like, they, they, they introduced him as this character named Mad Mikey, and they'd always ask you, what was Mikey mad about? And he'd get mad at somebody at the drive-thru, and then go through the drive-thru window and attack them. And, and we <laughs> never got to see the full culmination of this. But I'm betting if they had done it, we'd have seen something equivalent to what he was doing beforehand in WWF, where he was running around with a title, defending it at all times. I, I think it could have been good times. And visually, you're right. Crash Holly presented a visual aesthetic that just is hard to match by any other hardcore champion because he, he had the facial expressions. He he was cowardly and brave at the same time. Like, he'd, <laughs> he'd run away to defend his title, but he'd also sneak up on people and pin them to win the title. So he, he, he'd take chances, he'd take risks, and that's what we loved about him was that he'd always find a way to, to overcome the odds despite his size. Absolutely. So you put him in there? absolutely awesome awesome all right uh my last two these guys i think sort of personified hardcore and extreme wrestling uh in their in their runs raven we talked about his multiple reigns um i thought he brought an awesome variety of matches he would come out with the shopping cart full of weapons and, he, and like van damme he, he had moves that were kind of associated with foreign objects that i thought were awesome you know the drop toe hold on the chair uh the 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 kendo stick Russian leg sweep, you know, things like that. So I thought Raven brought a lot of innovation and uh, and I think hardcore when I think Raven, you know, I always think extreme. So um, you know, I just I, I love this character. I thought that was cool, the grunge look and just sitting down in the in the corners and I thought that was cool. So Raven is uh you know he's a personal favorite pick, but um I'd understand if he's not in there. But I thought, you know, his innovation was uh, was cool. And winning the title so many times, I mean, come on. It's got to count for something. <laughs> oh, it does. And, and he reinvented himself, too. This is a guy who had one point been named Johnny Polo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most forgettable Absolutely. characters in WWF history. And then <laughs> went to ECW, became this dark, gothic figure, and then came back to WWF as a, as a way bigger star than he was as Johnny Polo. Oh, absolutely. What about Raven? What about <laughs> me? Um, <laughs> so would you put Raven on your list? Well, the title reigns alone. You would have to give it to him on that basis. And his feud with Steve Blackman, some of the best hardcore matches that there were during the run of that title. But sometimes some of the silliest matches because... <laughs> Raven was so into the weapons and Blackman was the lethal weapon. So mm. sometimes that was a styles clash, not meaning AJ styles. When I say that, I'm just saying <laughs> it, it, 
didn't always lead to believability, but his number of reigns, his overall persona that fans were very into, this very dark and believable crow-like figure that he became, Mm -hmm. I'd say it puts him over the top. All right. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Last guy, the lethal weapon, the dangerous Steve Blackman. Uh, Steve Blackman had 172 days over his six reigns, which were important. And, of course, his mad martial arts skills, smacking people with kendo sticks and just being such an imposing figure, you know, with his stoic face and and just always ready for action. Um, Blackman, you know, I, I was, you just, and when you mentioned his matches with Raven, it brought me back, and I do remember being entertained by those. Uh, Blackman probably wasn't my favorite, but I thought, you know, he'd always bring some some cool action out there. You know, you, you could count on some weapons and uh, some cool stuff going down. Uh, what about Blackman? Well, he was never my favorite wrestler, but let's put that aside. Let's just look at the feuds that he had that stand out in the hardcore division. Feuded with Shane McMahon, feuded with Raven, feuded with Ken Shamrock, feuded with Al Snow. I mean, in the era of hardcore, he was one way or another involved at almost all times and always either winning the title or feuding with somebody for the title or coming up with some creative way to have another short reign with the title. So he's on the list. All right. Well, one got to go at this point, and we got to rank them. So we figure Big Boss Man is probably not on in the final eight, but we still have Mankind, Rhino, Undertaker, Shane McMahon, Jeff Hardy. RBD is probably going to be the number one seed. Crash Holly, Raven. And Blackman? Okay, so if RBD is your number one seed, who would be the number two? Okay, number two, Crash Holly. All right, Crash Holly. Okay, number three. Undertaker. All right, all right. I like that. Four? McFoley slash Mankind. All right. Five. Let's go with Jeff Hardy. Mm, all right. Number six. Rhino. All right. Okay. And seven? Hmm, now it's getting tougher. <laughs> yep. We got three guys left. Who's number seven? I'm debating whether or not I want to put Shane O'Mac in. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I mean, again, you talked about his memorable moments only being like falling. So uh, usually or things like that are taking sick bumps or these amazing spots. Not necessarily the matches. I feel like our other guys are better wrestlers. Um, so I don't know. I'd, I'd go Raven before Shane. Yeah, I'll take that too. Let's go with Raven. All right, Raven 7. Not to say I wouldn't put Shane on this list, though. (laughs) But I don't know. So our 8th spot is Shane or Steve Blackman? I guess between those two, I have to go with Steve Blackman. Even though I'm not a big fan of his, he did have a whole lot of days as the hardcore champion. 
Yeah. All right. So round one is RBD versus Steve Blackman, who's our winner. Well, Blackman's got the kendo stick, but RVD's got the five-star frog splash, so <laughs> I think it has to be Rob Van Dam. He'd win that match in real life, too. Oh, absolutely. All right, so two versus seven matchup is Crash versus Raven. That's that's probably a closer match than people might think. Cause, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they're both a little bit unhinged and a little bit crazy, so <laughs> I, I think... Just uh, physical willpower alone, Raven wins. But, man, I, I really want to give it to Crash. You know, I feel like if this match happened, you know, in their, you know, heydays, Crash would find some sneaky way to win. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I this one I could kind of do a coin flip on, and it, it would come up either way, and I'd be happy with the result. So if you want to go with Crash, I'd go with Crash. Yeah, I'd take Crash on that one. All right, Crash Holly wins. Next up, Taker and Rhino. Who you got? Well, it's the Gore versus the Choke Slam and Snake Eyes. I mm, I gotta go with Undertaker on that. All right, yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it to Taker. Um, four versus five, we got McFoley versus Jeff Hardy. Now, if they could both still go in 2016, I want to see that match right here, right now. Heck yeah, I would love to see that. But uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, keeping it together with bailing wire and glue, and Mick Foley ain't doing nothing at all except conventions. So, yeah. uh, well, I'm going to say Mick Foley because just he knew no limits when it came to ways to put on a match and entertain a crowd. So I think even Jeff Hardy might have one or two limits. Not that we ever saw him exercise many of them, but Mick literally had none. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. If this happened in the heyday, I don't know. Gosh, I, gotta, I don't know. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that though. When you say that is a lot of those matches, we remember Mick Foley, he looked up at the lights like he he'd sacrificed his body, but he wouldn't win the match. So that's true. I, for that reason, I'd probably take Jeff Hardy. I think he would probably take that match. Yeah, I think I'll go with Jeff on second consideration. All right. Well, that's our first somewhat <laughs> upset at this point. All right. So second round then would be RVD versus Jeff Hardy. Well, <laughs> that's kind of history repeating itself, then, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> okay, well, I will go with RVD. Mm, all right. And Crash versus Taker. Now, we, I know we said earlier that Crash could find a way to sneak out and get a win no matter what. But this is The Undertaker we're talking about. Nah, there's no escape. No, not from the dead man. You're just not getting away from the American badass. <laughs> wow. So that, that makes our finals a repeat of that amazing Raw match you referenced. Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker. Hmm. Yeah, well, history's going to show that Undertaker won that match, and I guess it's going to record the same in the tournament because... <laughs> I, I can picture that match in my head a thousand times happening a thousand different ways, but every time Jeff Hardy ends up just a little bit short. Yeah. 
I could see that. So, according to this in our, our mock tournament and discussion, Jeff Hardy falls just short of The Undertaker, who is the greatest hardcore champion of all time. I did not expect that result. That, that kind of <laughs> blows my mind. I, I didn't expect that either, you know, and it's just you just can't bet against him, you know. I think I would have to look back. How did Taker lose the title? Like, what happened? Uh, oh, he lost it to Maven. Mm, okay. Ah, the Maven, the Maven feud right. was cool. Yeah, when, when they yeah, had right. that little spot at the Royal Rumble where Maven eliminated him and Taker was bloody hot about it. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So I was just curious how that how that went down, you know. So Undertaker, best hardcore champ. I, I can I can deal with that, but yeah, I did not expect that. People are going to be screaming at us when they listen to this. They're going to be like, no way that Undertaker's a better hardcore champion than Raven or Crash Holly. They're they're just <laughs> screaming right now. I know this this is this is going to be an unpopular decision. I think I don't know maybe how um, how much of this is like just legacy points and legacy love for Taker. And just saying, hey, man, come on. He's done more than all these guys combined almost. So, yeah, you know. There, there is, like you're it. right. It's legacy. I, I think we're allowing some bias to creep in on that. I think so. But I'm okay with that. That's that's why it's our episode. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody has any comments, of course, they can they can let us know. But um, <laughs> Or they can direct it to me, Mark Callis, care of World Wrestling Entertainment. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah. I want you to tell Taker to his face that he wasn't a good champion. <laughs> um, so the end of the hardcore title, all good things must end. This title ended on August 26, 2002, during an Intercontinental versus... No, no, this was the European title that was, I think, merged at that time. Now I'm mixed up. The European title did get merged at a certain point, but I remember that... It got unified with the IC title, and it was when RBD defeated the hardcore champ Tommy Dreamer. And a month before that, uh, Rob Van Dam defeated Jeff Hardy in a ladder match to unify the Intercontinental and European Championships. So in 2002, they were just tired of these small belts, I guess. They were just like, nah, let's get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So they decided to merge them all. So this became the Euro... Continental Hardcore Championship. <laughs> it was everything all at once, you know. So to think of this, you know, now this is over a decade ago when the uh, titles were unified. To put all these titles together with the Intercontinental title, you know, I think that adds so much of a prestige to it that, um, you know, for a long time when I was watching, I mean, it's, it's getting better now. And I think they're doing a better job on commentary, putting over the title, you know, all the Greeks that have won it and things like that. But for a long time, the Intercontinental title just wasn't, didn't feel important. I mean, did you, did you get that impression as well? Kind of in recent programming? Well, they've sort of treated it like the guy that isn't going to be the guy, so they're going to put a belt on him because it's like the third or fourth title behind tag titles and the heavyweight title. But then, <laughs> like you said, they sometimes forget to book the Intercontinental Champion like he is a champion, and he'll lose a lot of singles matches on Raw and SmackDown, then squeak out a win on pay-per-view, then go back to losing on Raw and SmackDown. It sort of makes you feel like the IC title is a curse rather than a blessing, because it makes you look like a guy who's who's just an afterthought to the programming who can't win the big one. 
Nah, good point. And I, I feel that way too. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think they're getting better. Like I said, they're they're putting it over on commentary and things like that. And um, for a long time, I mean, I see title. You were the number one contender, you know, to the world title. Yeah, back know, in the right? classic days in the nineties, that <laughs> that was definitely your stepping stone. It was like it was almost a money in the bank. It was like if you had the intercontinental <laughs> title, you could cash in and get a world title shot. Yeah, yeah, usually. But um now it's it's different, you know. But I don't know. I think I mean who knows? I like where it's at right now. So uh, it is you know, coming I'm, back. It's got more prestige in the last year than it's had in quite a few years yeah absolutely so i uh i want to end this broadcast by asking you the million dollar question the hardcore title has been gone for 14 years now almost well Should now there was back? a brief period in 2006 when it came back ah okay there was a brief moment i wonder where that title is now if it's like in vince's uh <laughs> just in a duffel bag somewhere. I bet like it's hanging uh, on Mick Foley's wall some, somewhere in his home. Probably, probably. That would be cool. Um, should the title come back for another run? What do you think? You know, if you were going to do a WrestleMania gimmick match where you brought back a bunch of legends and had some guys from NXT who needed to get their first exposure on a very big stage, it could be kind of a fun thing. But I also think that hardcore, even though we remember it fondly now, it led to a lot of injuries. And I'm not just talking WWF. I mean, ECW, WCW, they all had hardcore matches and or hardcore titles. And a lot of bodies took unnecessary punishment they didn't need to. So I don't see how you could defend a hardcore title full time in this era. You could have like a one-night-only hardcore match, and you could present somebody like a hardcore cup, but I don't know if you could bring it back as a belt and have it be defended the way it used to be. Mm. Agreed, agreed. All right, I think I think we, we're probably best leaving that era alone and having those memories of Battle Royals and Joey Abs and all the... <laughs> All the great hardcore moments, golf carts, and all that other great stuff. Um, I think we're probably better off. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> if you can't, you know, get extreme, you know, like bloody and crazy, and and I don't think it would even be, you know, worth it to to injure these guys or potentially injure them. So, um, I, I think it's best to leave that era alone. We can always go back and look at it on the WWE Network, which is how much, Steve? Nine ninety nine. <laughs> so uh you can always go back and look at it and i think just history you know the history is always there and um you know. if if you want to go back and relive it watch some old ecw hardcore television and then watch the wwf hardcore era because it, it did turn into something a little different when it became wwf slash wwe it became a little more cartoonish and yeah. even though we're fond of that and we have some fun memories of it you also want to see where it came from before it became wwe absolutely and then if you have a few hours of torture that you feel like undergoing watch some wcw hardcore matches oh no. <laughs> i don't know if you remember that there was a WCW hardcore title. Don't don't watch the junkyard match because every single person in that junkyard match 
ended up being injured and some for life. That was a terrible match. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Ooh, so and yeah, half don't, the time don't. you couldn't even see what was going on because they were in a real damn junkyard, so the camera couldn't <laughs> catch it. Oh man, that was ridiculous. Huh? Yeah, don't don't bother to watch that stuff. <laughs> no. Anyway. Steve, I want to thank you for being here. This has been such a fun chat. Just going back down memory lane of the hardcore title. And uh, before you go, I got to ask you to, one, let the people know how to find you and all of your great programming. And you got to give us a song to go out on. All right, go. Well, I am in so many different places that if I list them all, we may run out of time. So (laughs) I'll go with the big ones. AngryMarks.com, my professional wrestling website. MMAmania.com I cover Bellator and World Series of Fighting and Mixed Martial Arts News in general and of course RapReviews.com where you can find many other shows that I've done with Mega Ran and my song to go out on since we're talking professional wrestling is a classic from Jizza that was one of the biggest pops I ever got for a pro wrestling reference in a song when he said, I slayed MCs in the rec room era. My style broke motherfucking backs like Kempatera. Mmm, the great Kempatera. All right, shadow boxing. Jizza, Method Man. All right, classic. So once again, thank you, sir, for being on the show. Talking hardcore. I hope to see you real soon. I'll actually be out in your neck of the woods next month. And um, so, yeah, I hope we see you out there, man. We're going to be bumping into each other a lot because you're coming here on tour and then we're both going to Dallas for WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Nice. Well, shoot, I'll see you both places then. All right. So for myself, it's TVJ. This is Mega Rans Matt Mania. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you listening. And if you have any suggestions or complaints about us picking Undertaker as the best <laughs> hardcore champ, Feel free to hit us on, on the Twitter. I'm at Megaran. What's your Twitter, Steve? At Angry Marks. Yeah. All right. See you guys on the interwebs. We're out of here. Fuck that. Special technique of I breaks it down to the bone gristle. Hill speaking, scud missile, heat seeking. Johnny blazing, nightmares like West Craven. Niggas gunning, my third eye seen it coming before it happened. You know about them fucking statin kids, they smashing everything, huh? In any shape, form, or fashion. Now everybody talking about they blasting. Hmm, is you busting still or is you flashing? Hmm, talking out your asshole. You should have learned about the blowing PZ Afro. To Calgary Stallion, chinky eye and snot nose. From my naps to the bunion on my big toe. I keeps it moving, know just what the fuck I'm doing. Rap insomniac, being to catch a nigga snoozing. Slip the cardiac, arrest. Me. Exorcist prop possess me Crunch a nigga like a Nestle You know my stage Burning to a third degree Sneaky ass alley cat top pedigree The head toucher Industry party bum rusher You don't like it dick up in your fuck ya Because your naps ain't nappy enough And your
Yo, I slayed them seeds back in the rec room era. My style broke motherfucking backs like him for terror. Most rap niggas came loud but unheard. Once I pulled out, round them off to the nearest third. Check these non-visual niggas with tapes and a portrait. Flood the seminar trying to orbit this corporate in the street. But what them niggas can't see must break through like the woo unexpectedly. Protect your neck, my sword still remains imperial. Before I blast the mic, Rizzo scratch off the cereal. We rain all year round from June to June. My niggas bite immediately, if not soon. Set the lynching and form the execution date as this 2000 beyond slang suffocate. Amplify sample through vacuum tubes, compressions, cause Rizzo to charge niggas 20 G's a session. When my mind starts to click, and the strategy is mastered, the plot thicken. This be that bullshit. I don't give a cotton picket. Fuck about a brother trying to size a nigga up. I hold my own. Hard hat protect the dome. Look at mama baby boy acting like he grown. No time for sleep. I get deep as a baritone. Killer B that be holding down his honeycomb. Lounging son. Woo brother number one. Protect your neck. Flying guillotines. Here they come. Bloody bastards. Hard times and killer tactics. Spitting words. Plus semi-automatic slurs. Peep the graphic. Novel from the genie bottle. Hit the clutch. Shift the gear now. Full throttle. Time to bungee. To the next episode. I keeps it grungy. Hand on my nutsack. And spitting lungs. Had a whack nigga that don't understand the fact when they come to visit tracks i don't know how to act real rap from the stack killer hill projects how to be exact break it down all in the governor things are getting good looking better now You're listening to the Geekscape Network.